It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Eat me now! I'm starving! On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast presented by DraftKings, America's number one rated sportsbook app. And if you listen to last week's Even Money Podcast, we told you all you need to know about the free-to-play 50K NFL draft pool game that DraftKings has on the regular app. So certainly check that out. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. Now we've got five podcasts as part of the Ross Tucker Podcast Network. Andrew Brandt does the business of sports. Excellent. Talking with Sean Culkin, Chiefs tight end this week about taking his whole salary in bitcoin better him than me man i i would need to find out a lot more about that before i would do that then of course andrew brandt speaking of andrew brandt today on the ross tucker football podcast really cut through some of the bs from the niners and some of these other teams of course we've got the even money podcast i referenced already yesterday we went over all of our best bets for tomorrow night's nfl draft And then we've got this show, the Fantasy Feast Podcast, the best fantasy football weekly podcast out there with Joe Dolan from FantasyPoints.com. Make sure you check Joe out on Twitter at FG underscore Dolan. Joe, I'm about to sneeze. Get ready to say something. (laughs) Bless you, Ross. Uh, Kazuntite. That's the, it. Didn't uh, happen. It didn't happen. It didn't. I think I was able to save it. I was so sure I was about to sneeze right there that I had to have you ready to go. Wow. I, maybe that's how I can stop sneezing from now on. Uh, at FG underscore Dolan is Joe Fantasy Gangster. He's got the best website out there. Fantasypoints.com. Use the code twenty one feet. There it goes. All right. Bless you, Ross, because in tight. Wow. You you couldn't hold it off for that long. You know what? I thought I really had gotten past it. I thought I was was in the clear. Evidently not. Again, use the code 21FEAST at fantasypoints.com. I thought we'd do something a little different today, Joe. Okay. On, On Monday's Ross Tucker football podcast, I had Ben Standing, okay? Ben Standing is like the Joe Dolan of mock drafts. So I've Mm. talked about your rankings before. I've posted on social media that you've been the best and most successful fantasy analyst over the last five years. Well, that's been standing over the last 10 years when it relates to mock drafts. So I had been on Monday's Ross Tucker Football Podcast, and we went over his mock draft. And so... What I thought would be cool is to look at some of the landing spots of some of the skill guys, which I think some of these I would consider likely, and and talk about it. And let's start with the quarterbacks. We believe, most people I think, Trevor Lawrence, one to the Jags. Zach Wilson, two to the Jets. Mac Jones, three to the Niners. So I guess the question there is – how relevant are any of them mm-hmm. for fantasy purposes 
as a rookie? Well, first and foremost, like obviously the, we're, we're basing this now, Ross, off of off of Ben Standing's mock draft. So you and I will talk next week, um, especially if San Francisco throws uh throws a curveball, takes like a lance or a field. So just want to reiterate that. But based on that mock draft, you know, the guy who's going to be most interesting to me for fantasy will indeed be uh, Trevor Lawrence because of his running ability. Now, you look at San Francisco, and San Francisco, in terms of skill position talent, is the best prepared of those teams to score points uh, right now. So if it is Mac Jones, it creates this really interesting juxtaposition uh, against Trevor Lawrence, who has obviously the higher level athletic traits. He's got the higher level throwing traits. He's got the draft capital. You know damn well he's starting week one. Uh, but he has fewer weapons. He doesn't have Kittle. He doesn't have Ayuk. He doesn't have Debo Samuel, Juszczyk coming out of the backfield. He doesn't have any of those guys. So San Francisco's in a better position to win right now. That being said, I'd probably draft Trevor Lawrence in the mid-QB2 range. Mac Jones would be a mid to low-end QB2, just because I don't see the athletic upside there. And Zach Wilson... I'd be struggling to draft him at this point, Ross. I mean, they they do have a little bit more on the outside now after the signing of Corey Davis. You'd have Denzel Mims in his second year, and and Jamison Crowder is still there. Um, but I probably want to see it first from Zach Wilson, who doesn't ha- has, has some mobility. That's not to say that's not going to be a part of his game, but definitely not on the level of of Trevor Lawrence, nor is he going to have the skill position players around him that Mac Jones, if indeed Mac Jones goes to the 49ers, will have around him. All right, so that leads to the next question, Joe. Mm-hmm. Jags players, Jets players, Niners players, other skill guys, who's hurt or who's helped? Is anybody helped or are they all hurt with us presuming these will be the three starting quarterbacks for those teams like, you know, Ayuk or Debo or Kittle having Mac Jones as opposed to Jimmy G, who I expect to get traded during yeah. the draft. What does that mean? Uh, I'd probably rate the 49ers skill guys pretty similarly to how I would have rated them had Jimmy Garoppolo been the starting quarterback. I don't think there's going to be much of a change there if, if Mac Jones is the guy. For the Jets, it's an upgrade. And I'm, I'm going to upgrade because Sam Darnold stinks. So the Jets, I'm going to upgrade everybody just because you're going from sub-replacement level to at what I would hope is a baseline level of competence. That's what I would say with the with the Jets. And for the Jaguars, it's an upgrade for, for DJ Chark. It's an upgrade for Colin Johnson. LaVisca Chenault, I'm very interested to see in that offense with uh, knowing Urban Meyer and, and Daryl Bevel's history with Percy Harvin. The Jaguars players and the Jets players are upgrades for me. If Mac Jones is in San Francisco, they're prob- I'm probably going to rate them similarly to how I rated them last year. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because we saw Brandon Ayuk put up numbers. Debo Samuel's got to get over the injuries. George Kittle's got to get over the injuries. But we've seen those guys be high-end fantasy players as well, especially Kittle, obviously. Moving a little bit further down Ben Standig's board, he's got Trey Lance at four to the Broncos. Which is interesting. Mm. Let's say Trey Lance does go to the Broncos. What do you think of him as a fantasy fit? Uh, They got some good receivers. He can run. I'm curious. This is the Broncos are the most interesting team to me 
in that top 10 from a quarterback standpoint. Because if somebody who is mobile, like a Justin Fields or, as Ben predicted, Trey Lance were to go there, and you combine that mobility with the fact that you've got a high-end supporting cast if everybody stays healthy, which is not a guarantee, but Sutton, Hamler, Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, Melvin Gordon and Mike Boone coming out of the backfield. I mean, that is, that, that's got the potential to be an electric offense. Ross, you know Garrett Bowles came out of nowhere and was a high-end tackle last year after struggling for a number of years. So they've got a lot, a lot of juice offensively. And I'm not sure how polished Trey Lance is. And this is a little bit of a wrench because I've, I've been saying the last couple of weeks, Trevor Lawrence is my redraft QB1 from this class. But I really want to see where Justin Fields goes. Because if Justin Fields lands with the Broncos, I'm seriously going to have to reconsider that. Trey Lance is somebody I would consider in that regard as well. And it just feels like the Broncos have been quiet. They didn't do anything at the quarterback position this offseason. It was pretty evident they needed to move up on or at least upgrade on Drew Locke. Um, guess they reached out. There might have been um, some talk with Philly about Wentz. There might have been some talk with Detroit about Stafford. But to this point, they don't have a major move there. That is a team that is lurking, and that is a team where a rookie quarterback could absolutely thrive for fantasy, including if once all the dust settles and they get a Fields or a Lance or, hell, even a Mac Jones. That would be a good spot for fantasy. I don't know. If Mac Jones were to go to Denver, I think that would be really good for the receivers. I don't know how I'd react to him being there. Um, for fa- for fantasy himself. But, like, if, if Lance, for instance, as Ben predicted, goes there, I'm going to have to think long and hard about ranking him as my number one redraft quarterback from this rookie class. Wow. Uh, I almost hope it happens now. I mean, it's it, it's it's fascinating. Lance or Fields, the, I'd like to see one of those two guys land there because it would be it would be really interesting from a fantasy perspective. Okay, so at five... Ben has the Bengals taking Kyle Pitts. So you and I, and hopefully a lot of listeners know this, after the draft, we're going to start to get into best balls, hot and heavy. You guys are going to be able to get in on the best ball drafts with Joe and I, which are always a blast. People love them. I love the best ball drafts. I know you guys do too. It's basically like free money at this point. My question, Joe, is we always have that deal where it's like Kittle and Kelsey and then a drop-off, and it's like where where and when do you take the next guy? Where where do we rank Kyle Pitts in Cincinnati yeah. right from the start? And how is it compared if he got drafted by Atlanta instead? Atlanta, there's probably a little bit more competition for targets. Um so that that is where uh, right now, by the way, um, as we stand right now, I have Kyle Pitts as my uh, number seven redraft tight end overall. Um, I have him behind, obviously, your obvious guys, your your Kelsey, your Kittle, your Waller. I have him behind right now, Dallas Goddard. I have him behind TJ Hawkinson. So some of the obvious guys, I think Mark Andrews is up there as well. Um, some of the obvious guys I have him ranked ahead right now. But when you look at Cincinnati and if Cincinnati were to take Kyle Pitts you can make the argument he's their number one receiver from day one 
Now, I think most people would say, well, right now that's T. Higgins, who had a great rookie season. Not denying that whatsoever, but they have a huge hole at tight end, and we know how dynamic Kyle Pitts can be. We know how tight ends in this day and age, uh, to, to borrow a Greg Coselism as the backs uh, as the X to the backside of trips, uh, the, the way the Chiefs use Travis Kelsey quite a bit. I think you can make the argument that in Cincinnati, he would be the number one receiver right away. So I'd place a higher ceiling, maybe a little bit of a lower floor because we don't know what's going to happen with Joe Burrow with his injury recovery. But I would place a higher ceiling on Kyle Pitts uh, at number uh, five to Cincinnati if that's indeed where it goes. And, you know, Atlanta, I think, is another team that's in the mix there. We've seen some uh, some bubbles of a Julio Jones potential trade. If Atlanta drafts Kyle Pitts, I don't know what, what uh, trading Julio Jones right now would accomplish because that's clearly a team that wants to score a lot of points right now. But Cincinnati, if Kyle Pitts goes there, I think immediately he's the number one receiver there. And I definitely would be taking him in the top 100 picks overall. And I cannot see him falling past my tight end seven, which is where I have him ranked right now. And if you expect to get him after that, think again. It's not happening. I mean, he's going as high as tight end four, tight end five in some of the drafts I've seen thus far. You are not getting him late. It is not going to happen. But don't you think, Joe, can you make an argument that people are overdrafting him for a rookie sure. tight I end mean, to be that, yeah. drafted that high? And, and, that, and this is what you're doing here. You're, you're Indiana Jones in the last crusade. Uh, uh, you're, you're taking a leap of faith here onto the, uh, onto the, the transparent uh, rock bridge. You're, that's what you're doing here. Um, and, and you're going to f- try to find the Holy Grail. And Kyle Pitts, as a prospect, is the Holy Grail. But we've seen all these other chalices, these rookie tight ends who have gone in the top 10, melt people's faces off when they took a sip out of them. That's what's, <laughs> that's what's happened. Uh, the problem with Kyle Pitts is he's very flashy looking. He's like, he's like the one uh, – uh, this is a really bad analogy. I'm sorry. He's like uh, uh, – I think let, – let's put it this way. To borrow from the old guy in the cave, in the cave there – if you've taken a rookie tight end early in the past, you chose poorly. And you are now taking a leap of faith and hoping you choose wisely when it comes to Kyle Pitts. It's just I've never seen somebody this freakish. That is the prospect of a rookie tight end that I want to draft uh, top 10. And that's what you're doing. You're taking a leap of faith. But when I look at the rest of the tight end position, I just cannot see myself in good faith Ranking Kyle Pitts below where I have him right now, and that is tight end seven. The talent is there. He's going to be a top 10 pick. Again, he lands somewhere like Cincinnati. You can immediately make the argument he's the team's number one receiver. That's just not something we've ever said about a rookie tight end before. And and that's why I'm ranking him based on the fact that he is a unicorn. And I understand that might backfire. A lot of people are going to be completely out on Kyle Pitts at what his price is going to be. But I'm just telling you, that's going to be his price. You have to pay up. Let's get to number six. He's got Jamar Chase to the Dolphins. This one's tough for me because you and I have had the discussion about Tua. And I didn't see a lot from Tua last year. But he was coming off an injury. There is the weird Ryan Fitzpatrick situation. I would make, I think you could say Jamar Chase 
is going is is a oh, first and foremost he's definitely a better prospect than Devonte Parker was, but Devonte Parker is established. Gesicki's there, he's established, so he's going to have a little bit more of a battle for targets than in this instance than Kyle Pitts going to Cincinnati. I would probably draft Jamar Chase in Miami as a wide receiver three and hope for some upside. But the one thing I will say, let's say Tua Tonga Bailoa comes out of this draft with a uh, with a higher end like immediate con- contribute contributor weapon like Kyle Pitts or like Jamar Chase. I the one thing I've got to do is look past my bias of how Tua played last year and understand that he could be in a much better position to succeed. So that's what I would say. I would say that makes Tua way more appealing to me, but uh Jamar Chase is probably going to be drafted in the wide receiver 3 range if he ends up in Miami. So I guess my question is, why is it a fight for Chase for targets with Parker and Gesicki in your mind, but you're not as concerned about Pitts with Boyd and Higgins? Yeah, so here the thing about Pitts when it comes to Boyd and Higgins, Boyd has been a, a predominant, a very damn good slot receiver in his career. Um but I don't know if, if if you view him as like the number one, the guy you gotta stop. T. Higgins had a really nice rookie season. I'm bullish on him, but he's not as freakish as Kyle Pitts. Meanwhile, you look at Miami, and Devontae Parker is going to be the X, and not to say you can't move Jamar Chase around in the slot and out wide. Moreover, I'm just higher on Joe Burrow than I am on two at this point, even with Joe Burrow coming off the injury. Maybe that's naive, but uh, I would think Kyle Pitts is in a better position to be the team's number one receiver, in addition to the fact that Kyle Pitts is at a position for fantasy in which big-time go-to guys are extremely scarce and Jamar Chase is not. Joe, we have a trade that just happened five seconds ago during the show. The Broncos traded a sixth-round draft pick for Teddy Bridgewater. Okay, well, well, that makes, well, let's put it this way. I don't think that makes the Broncos uh, – I don't think it precludes them from drafting a quarterback, first and foremost. But maybe this is the kind of move where the Broncos think we might not be able to get that quarterback. And here's what's really interesting to me. Who just traded Teddy Bridgewater to the Denver Broncos? The Panthers. Who picks one spot ahead? of the Denver Broncos, and who might need a quarterback now? Panthers. The Panthers. Now, the Panthers traded a lot for Sam Darnold, okay? I mean, the draft capital, it doesn't preclude them from drafting a quarterback, but it looks like they're going to go into the year with him as the starter. This is a fascinating deal. This is one that I don't think it precludes either one of these teams from going after and drafting a quarterback, but this gives the Broncos more options. And frankly, you know, I'm not a Teddy guy. But when you have those weapons that he has there, I feel better about them uh, with Drew Locke because I feel like Teddy can take care of the ball a little bit better and can distribute the ball more efficiently uh, than than Drew Locke can. So a fascinating trade right now, Ross. I want to give that time to simmer a little bit. I feel better about the Broncos' skill position players with Teddy at quarterback, but I don't necessarily – look, it's a six-round pick. I don't necessarily think this precludes the Broncos from making a move up to draft uh, Trey Lance, as Ben Standig uh, 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 predicted here that we talked about just five minutes ago. Yeah, I guess the only thing I would say about that is um, 
you know, he's making $17 million this year. He is. $10 million fully guaranteed. I'm a little surprised that the Broncos are willing to take that on. They must not think these quarterbacks are going to fall to them. Yeah, and I, I mean that's that's my initial read on it. Um, but when you're when you look at the Broncos now, what's interesting is you still have Drew Locke. Who now now you have a ton of questions about Drew Locke, and that's fair. But I would guess if they were to trade him to a team that's like, oh, he's a developmental guy. Like for instance, Pittsburgh. Oh, who has Dwayne Haskins behind uh, Ben Roethlisberger, but, you know, Drew Locke's shown a lot more than Dwayne Haskins has. Um, don't you think you could get more than a six-round pick for Drew Locke? So, essentially, maybe you trade a six for Teddy Bridgewater, but you get a fifth for Drew Locke. You upgrade your pick, and you can still go get a quarterback in the draft. I don't think that precludes Denver at all from going after it. But what it does do is it gives George Payton some options. And uh, th- this allows him to say, hey, we're going to go offensive line here. We're going to go defense. We're going to draft Patrick Certain. Um, th- it gives him more options, I think, to say, hey, look, we we now have somebody we feel better about at the quarterback position. If the board doesn't fall the way we want, if the offers, if they don't take our offers, if Atlanta is truly uh, planning on staying put at number four, this gives us options in the case – in the case somebody trades up with Detroit or in the case somebody trades up with Carolina or Carolina takes a quarterback, I think it gives the Broncos options is what this trade does. A six-round pick for somebody like Teddy Bridgewater is nothing. He does make a lot of money. I understand that. But a six-round pick doesn't preclude you from doing anything else. According to Tom Pelissero of NFL Network, Carolina will pay a portion of Bridgewater's huh. 2021 compensation as part of a restructured contract to finalize the deal. So we'll see how much Carolina is paying to get Teddy off the books and to get something in return. Uh, I don't think, I I don't know that anybody would trade for Drew Locke. I I don't know what they would trade for him. I really don't know. A late round pick. Oh, and by the way, uh, Adam Schefter needs to credit me, Ross, because uh, he literally just tweeted 15 seconds ago, the trade does not take Denver out of the quarterback market on Thursday night. Just gives them some optionality. That's that word that GMs love, optionality. That's what this trade does for Denver. Well, and what I would say to that, to your point, is even if it does, they don't want people to think that. Right. Um, so that's, you know, they, they want people to think that they're still thinking about a quarterback. Uh, how about Joe at eight? Ben Standig had Justin Fields to Carolina, speaking of Carolina. And maybe that's more likely now. Uh, You know, they they got some of that money off the books. And again, Justin Fields, Carolina and Denver, interesting to me. You got DJ Moore there. You have Robbie Anderson there, your boy. That's interesting to me. With when it comes to Carolina, because I feel like there is some upside there, some serious upside. And when you got Joe Brady there calling the plays, uh, I feel like that could be a really fascinating fit for Justin Fields. So, again, that's a good fantasy landing spot for him, and it would be an upgrade, in my opinion, for those receivers that they have there, despite the loss of Curtis Samuel. All right, let's get to the next offensive player, which would be he's got the Eagles getting Jalen Waddell mm-hmm. at 12. I think the Eagles would love to get Jalen Waddell at 12. I I now look, the Eagles are a complete wild card in this class 
because they're, they've, they're, they've traded down from 6 to 12, but then they immediately became a team that's like, hey, they traded down from 6 to 12, the reports say, obviously, because they picked up a first next year, which is going to give them the opportunity to load up for a quarterback next year if Jalen Hurts isn't the guy this year. But then there became the rumors that Philly might also consider trading up a few spots. So it was clear they made that move simply because they wanted that first-round pick next year. If they trade up a few spots, is it going to be for Waddle, Devontae Smith, Patrick Certain, that Alabama trio? They could stay put and maybe take J.C. Horn, the cornerback. I would be surprised if the Eagles take anything but a wide receiver or a cornerback here. But from a pure fantasy perspective, because this is what this podcast is, Jalen Waddle, big-time boost to Jalen Hurts, who's already going to be one of the most drafted quarterbacks in best ball uh, for anybody who is in, in any way a modicum of sharp, knowing how big the numbers he put up last year. Hell, even when not playing well last year at the end of the season, he put up monster fantasy numbers. He was the epitome of that quarterback cheat code. And Jalen Waddle, uh, a former teammate at Alabama, by the way, gives him a little bit extra juice in that passing game. What about Joe? Um, he has Devontae Smith. Again, this is all from Ben Standings. He's the best mock drafter out there. And he has, he came on Monday's show on Monday's Ross Tucker football podcast and went over his mock draft. He has Devontae Smith falling to 15 to the New England Patriots, Joe. Oh, oh, well, uh, this is uh, interesting because the Patriots have had a terrible job of uh, of drafting wide receivers. But Devontae Smith's just a ball player. Um, and I think immediately would be the Patriots' number one receiver. Uh, I mean, Julian Edelman's gone. Um, you, you have John o. Smith and Hunter Henry. You're going to run a lot of 12 personnel. But Devontae Smith can move about the formation. And here's what's interesting about Devontae Smith to the Patriots. You know, one of the big concerns that our guy Greg Cosell has had with him is at that 166-pound frame, when he was lined up at the boundary X, there was a lot of times he just got forced out of bounds. Like corners, 190-pound corners outweigh this guy by 30 pounds, and 190-pound corners are sticks. So, like, you're looking at um, a guy who was physically – uh, push to the sidelines in the college game, which as good as Devontae Smith is, it's going to happen more and more if he lines up at the boundary X in the NFL. But the Patriots now have two tight ends who have experience lining up as a boundary X and or at least have the ability to do so in Hunter Henry and John U. Smith. So that gives Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels the ability, hey, let's put Devontae Smith in the, on the inside slot to trips. Let's put him at the Z, move him around. This would be a really fascinating fit for multiple reasons. And again, now I could see Devontae Smith landing in this spot as somebody who ends up leading the Patriots in targets. This would be an interesting spot for Devontae Smith because I don't think he'd be asked to be the boundary X that he was so often in college. So, um, last one that I want to get your take on, because I think it's interesting, Najee Harris to the Steelers. Yeah. Uh, everybody thinks it's going to happen. Everybody mocks it. The question yeah. is whether or not, you know, he becomes a top 10 running back in people's minds. Yeah, and – Here's the, the here's the interesting part because I I um I'm a I'm a Pennsylvania boy so I have a lot of Yinzer friends I'm a southeastern PA boy but most of my friends are actually Yinzers and I'm on a text chain with those guys and 
I consider them sharp, and they want an offensive lineman here. So they're like, the run game needs a back. We need Najee Harris. We need a back. But it's not going to be much of anything if they can't block for him. So, but it, the, there is a lot of smoke here with Najee Harris, and I would not be shocked, Ross, if he ends up in Pittsburgh, people start talking themselves into him as a late first-round pick for fantasy. I probably wouldn't do it. I'd, I'd have to see where the draft board falls, but I would not be shocked if people start doing that. I mean, remember where James Conner was getting drafted a couple years ago, um, he slipped into the third round this year almost exclusively on the fact that he had a, an injury history. Um, and, I mean, if J- James Conner had produced in the past as an RB1 for fantasy, I think people view that kind of skill set from Najee Harris. Do not be shocked if he is a top 15 pick in redraft if he lands with the Steelers in the first round. You got to check out Joe on Twitter, okay? At FG underscore Dolan. He is the fantasy gangsta. Go to fantasypoints.com. Use the code 21FEAST. Check out everything DraftKings has to offer for the draft using the code Ross on either the DraftKings app or the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Just use the code Ross or just go to 100flowers.com, throw the code football in there after you click on the radio icon. Other than that, I'm stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mentioned DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. You got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, one 109 with it. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, doesn't always, sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit.